Welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Hey everyone, this is Chris and welcome back to Dads with Daughters, where we bring you guests to help you be active participants in your daughter's lives, helping them to be strong, independent women. You know, Every week, I am really excited to be able to introduce you to people that are doing some really cool things. You're meeting fathers, you're meeting mothers, you're meeting just people in general that are engaging with women, with kids in different ways. And today, I'm really excited to be able to have Kimberly Wolf with us. Kimberly is the founder of a uh, a, an organization and a website that is called Girl Mentum. We're going to learn all about that, and we're going to really explore what she's doing to be able to assist young women, to be able to help them to be stronger women in the future as well. Kimberly, thanks so much for being here today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm delighted. You know, it's it is always my pleasure to to find individuals that have such a passion for working with young women, but also working with parents to help them to along the way too. And you're doing that in so many different ways. Before we go into what you're doing in that regard, I always start my interviews with some questions that delve into you as a parent. And you are a brand new parent of a little a little guy. I am. I have a new son named Max. He is four months old. I believe you and I started talking kind of right after he was born in the middle of this pandemic. So yes, my work my whole life has been around girls. And then I found out I was pregnant with a little boy. So it is a whole new adventure for me. It's really exciting. So a lot of times when I start these, I'm talking to to either fathers of daughters, mothers of daughters, you have a son, but but no matter what, the transition into parenthood is always a challenging one, but also an exciting one. When you think back to the first moment when you found out that you were going to be a mother, what was your reaction? I was so excited and I cried. It had taken me a long time to get pregnant. It was a long journey and I'd wanted to be a mom for a long time and I wanted my husband to be a dad and we were so excited. So just really overjoyed and also an incredible sense of calm and peacefulness that came over both of us. We were just so happy. So being that you had to give birth during COVID-19, during this pandemic, talk to me about the experience because I'm sure that, and from other people that I've talked to, it is very, it was very different, especially when you gave birth and the experience in the hospital had to have been kind of eye-opening. Very much. So we, Max came in the end of March, which, and we're down in Texas, he came, I say, at the height of the panic and at the moment at which we had the least information. So we were the most nervous and the least informed. And I kind of had this little talk with my belly with Max in there. I said, just, you know, I think you know more than me about this moment that you're entering in the world. So why don't you just pick the safest moment? And at the time, things weren't Two, the numbers weren't super high down in Houston, but it was very uncertain still. But we had the baby. It was just me and my husband. He was able to be there. It was right under the wire because right as we were leaving, as we were checking out, they announced that support people had to leave. So the birth went great. And we had, I had a C-section. We had an amazing surgeon and an unbelievable team. And everybody was so caring and wonderful. And so we got to bring this little baby in the world and bring him home. 
And I think that one of the things that was really different is our parents are in their 70s. And my husband's parents are in Massachusetts and in Boston and mine are in California. So in almost the two biggest cities that are the farthest apart, and they have not met their grandson yet, except on FaceTime. And so we're very fortunate about that. Now our life looks a little bit like Oregon Trail as we start to talk about how are we actually going to see grandparents before Max is a year old. So we'll probably have some big road trips in our future at some point. But it's been great. And it's been a really special time. We've been fortunate to be working from home. And so it has been crazy, but it's been mostly positive. You know, people talk to a lot of moms. I actually have over a dozen friends who have delivered in this pandemic or who have gotten pregnant or got pregnant right before or had multiples right before. So it's been a really interesting time to be talking to our friends and talking each other through it and brainstorming ideas and asking people for how they're getting through different things like travel or seeing grandparents or having people come and help them with the babies. It's been very interesting, but I actually was interviewed down here on the news for, you know, because I was one of the people who did give birth right when it was really hitting the news. And I think that, you know, women have, I said in that interview, I said, you know, women have always given birth in really complicated and difficult circumstances. And this is just one other one. You know, we we lived here during Harvey. There were people giving birth during Harvey, people giving birth during 9-11, all around the world during different conflicts. So this is just ours right now. But the babies keep coming. They're not waiting. Now, you've got a lot of things going on. I know that from everything that I'm seeing of the things that you do with Girlmentum, but you're working on being an author, you've got a lot of irons in the fire. You also have a very young child at home. Talk to me about work-life balance and how do you maintain that work-life balance in the new reality that we're in? Yeah, I'm fortunate because I do have somebody who comes to my house who helps me. And it was sort of a necessity and absolute for us because it was our first baby and we have no grandparents. So we have a woman named Tracy who was um, one of the nurses who helped Max and she's been coming to help us. I have just finished my first book and it will come out next year. And it was due two months after Max. And the plan was to finish it before Max came, but then coronavirus came and it was a little bit distracting. My husband and I have been running just a relay race. We, you know, he's working and he's, he's really busy and he's working from home. So basically, I mean, the realities of it, but the way that we're actually making it happen is that we had someone help just stay the night with us for several weeks so that I could recover from my C-section and we could figure out what to do with a newborn in the house with no, no one to tell us anything. <laughs> and then I kind of took over the night shift once Max started just waking up once or twice. And then I would sleep a little bit during the day and get my book done when I could. And I ate a lot of cheese and crackers and drank a lot of sparkling water and somehow got it done. And I'm one of those people who operates with a lot going on. I often hear, Kimmy, you have a lot going on, and that's just the kind of person I am. But it has been, I mean, we've been running. We've been running as hard as a lot of other parents. It is, it's been intense. You know, for us, we're at very busy times, both of us. So that's how we're making it work and just trying to do little things to maintain our mental health because it is, it's really intense time. And it's intense for everybody we know. So just trying to keep each other and all of our friends help our friends stay afloat too. Just bring a little joyfulness where we can every once in a while. Yeah, it is so important to find those that good news that's out there and uh, and to share that and to support and lift up the people around you, you know, especially now. Now, 
as you look at the future, you know, you have a son and who knows what the future will bring. But as parents, you know, there are definite things that sometimes come into our heads, the things that keep us up at nights. What would you say is your biggest fear in raising a son in society today? Oh my goodness, Chris, this is a question I ask everyone about their daughters, and I've never asked it to myself ever about my son. So I will say, interesting, you're catching me on the spot on that one. It's something I should have thought about. You know, I think it partially means some of my biggest fears are happening right now. So kind of like, if we can live through this crazy moment in history, I think that's a pretty good starter. You know, I think that I, I'm really someone who's focused on love and relationships. I'm a love educator. I teach teenagers about love and how to have meaningful relationships and how to build them. You know, how do we teach people actively how to do that? And I just hope that my son lives in a world where he can really find people where who he can communicate with and feel supported by and feel safe with and who feel safe with him. Think that, you know, we can get really heated. Our society is so polarized right now that I think that people have a really difficult time communicating with one another. But I do think that with some coaching and jiggering it, you know, people can communicate and connect, even if our views are vastly different. And I just hope that, I guess it's it's more of a hope than a fear. It's a hope against the fear that Max will be able to live in a place in a world where he's going to be able to feel safe communicating and have some solid relationships and that I hope we can help facilitate that for him. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about the work that you've done with Girlmentum and what you're building. I love the, the, the what you just said in regards to saying that you are teaching people about love. You're a love educator and you're, you're helping people to be able to do that. Tell me the story that goes behind Girlmentum. What was it that made you decide that you had this spark, that you had this idea for how you wanted to make changes in the world, in the lives of, of girls that are becoming women? Mm -hmm. So another question I get asked often is like, how did you become a love and sex educator for young people? That seems really difficult and awkward and, and something I had never thought about myself doing. How did you fall into that? I grew up in Los Angeles and I was sort of deeply entrenched in Hollywood and entertainment culture. I knew a lot of people who worked in it. I spent time on movie sets. I saw celebrities around town. At the same time, I was a teenage girl growing up in a media world. And I had sort of an innate sense of how broader culture was affecting me and my friends. What were the lessons that we were learning from our culture about how we should look, about how we should feel about ourselves, about how we should dress, about whether or not we should work, wear makeup, about who we should be hanging out with and why, what was cool and what was not. And I really felt and always noticed the, the broad impact that the media had on us in, in negative ways. And I, in high school, especially, you know, I struggled with some difficulties just with like hormonal changes. That actually was something I had never learned about. And they, they really dove me sometimes and like they would really affected my mood sometimes from time to time, like around my cycle, frankly. And that was something that wasn't really, really talked about beyond like sometimes women get crazy, but, um, you know, looking at my friend's struggles with body image or relationships, my own struggles in different areas and being aware that I wanted information. I really wanted information and it was hard to find it. The internet was just sort of starting. It was hard to go kind of buy books. Um, even if you could buy books, it wasn't you know, on girls or women's health. It wasn't personal to you. 
when you're that age, it's difficult to approach parents. Sometimes you feel awkward or you don't know if you can. And some girls really can't talk to their parents. And there's a lot going on that you really, you need education on, you know, you need education on the physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, social aspects of life. And I knew how the media worked because I had seen it growing up. And I really believed that there was an opportunity to provide information through the media to reach girls. And I went to Brown, I was a gender studies major there. And I wrote my thesis on 60 years of sexual health content in 17 magazine, which you know, now magazines in the flesh are less influential. Obviously, everybody's on their cell phones or their tablets or their laptops. However, it's a huge point of access. And so that was sort of what got me started on it with regard to kind of I have a focus on media literacy just because I'm, I've always been a media junkie, again, from Los Angeles and having started my career in entertainment. But I've always straddled kind of health communication and public health and was really interested in women's health and two of the biggest areas of interest for me and my friends were sexual health and relationships. And I just felt, felt like I really gravitated towards those. I come from a family of doctors, but I wasn't interested in going to medical school. I was more interested in teaching. You know, in looking at this site, there's a ton of, of great content in there. Um, I would say that there's a lot of posts in there that many men might be a little uncomfortable with, you know, when they're, when they're looking at it and reading through it, but it is definitely a great resource for our daughters to be able to access. Um, I did note that uh, it looks that you do say that you're encouraging this for girls over the age of 13. So for a girl that is finding out about your site, that comes and explores it, where should they start? And how, how should they best maneuver through the content that you have available? So the topics at the top are really kind of a great guide. And, you know, not all girls are going to be interested in mental health, but some are, and they can start under the mind link. And, you know, those who are interested in love, which in my experience is most of them, <laughs> um, they can start there. Life is, you know, probably going to be for girls who are college bound or, you know, career bound, just kind of at the end of their high school years, who are thinking about kind of how to achieve their goals. And body is sort of for everybody. So, you know, body, mind, love and life were categories that took me years to kind of hone. And those categories really speak to the questions that I've gotten from girls over the years, from the research I've gone through um, in terms of, you know, what, what are people looking for? So I guess the answer to the question is they should just look at those headings and see what interests them most. And yes, uh, to your point about some of those topics on the website, um, you know, there are a lot of topics about sexual health on that website. And there are some, you know, others that are about mental health, also topics that can be kind of hot buttons for parents. But most of the time when parents ask me or say, those topics are really in your face, um, <laughs> those are usually the sexual health topics. But rest assured, those are all evidence-based articles or based in research. You know, I've taught sex ed to seventh graders for going on 20 years. And the fact is that, you know, a lot of those topics, if you look on the website, you know, there's things about condoms and there's things about birth control and sexual health and communication and relationships. And, you know, it's nothing compared to what they're hearing from their friends and what they're seeing in the media. And so the goal with any of these conversations is to kind of head off misinformation that girls might be getting. 
we say on the site too that they should always talk to their parents. We encourage them if they feel safe. You know, there are certain certainly there are girls who are not safe to talk to their parents. They can get in trouble. They don't feel supported, or for religious reasons, any number of cultural reasons, that it's just off the table. Um, in that case, if they're looking for information, we strive to give it to them so that they they don't make mistakes that they regret. You know, the research says that the more information they have about these topics, the better prepared they are to make better decisions. No, and and there is a ton of content on here for girls. I mean, I I'm looking on this domain site itself, and when I look on here, you got you do have things about sex, but you also have things about food. And you know, what are the topics? I, I should read this because my oldest daughter likes soda. But you have an article in in the main rotation that talks about soda is not a girl's best friend, not even diet soda. And, and I should share that one with her because I think, um, you know, I ended up getting rid of soda in my life a few years back. I mean, it's not easy if you drink it because your body gets used to it. And for anyone to get rid of caffeine in general, definitely is not always an easy thing. But, but there's the, I guess that what I'm trying to say is that there are some really interesting topics that are here. And I encourage anyone that is that has a teenage daughter that this is a site that is a great resource because it does have a ton of stuff here now Kimmy one of the things that I know that you have been focusing on heavily in recent years is on gender equity and I talk to me a little bit about some of the work that you're doing to to be kind of an advocate for gender equity right now very big passion area of mine. So I'm going to try and come up with a concise answer. As I mentioned, I'm a sexual health and love educator. So that's really a good starting point. It's now we teach sex ed differently than we used to, because it used to be before the internet that we had facts that we had to share. And we might be the only people as, as educators who were sharing those facts. Now, teenagers, especially, and that's my, the main group that I work with, adolescents and teenagers, especially, you know, they can, they have information at the tip of their fingertips. And so a lot of sex ed is about learning how to decipher better, like trustworthy sources of information and how to seek out people to teach you so you can make good decisions in your relationships. I approach gender equity through my love education curriculum, which is all about kind of how do we identify gender roles or, you know, kind of our natural habits that might come from our socialization and how those might affect our relationships in negative ways or positive ways. And then how do we talk to each other so that we can build stronger relationships? You know, I think that it's, it's kind of hard to boil down, right? I think that I, again, you know, I've been, I've long been a gender studies, a student of gender studies and a scholar and you know, but there are certain things that break down along gender gender lines and gender roles. And, you know, how do we recognize those? And how do we, are there things that are good about gender roles? Are there things that are bad about gender roles? Helping young people understand those being at play. Because even though to those of us who work in the field of gender equity, it's very obvious to us, to the kids, it's new. Um, fortunately for this generation, it's more of a conversation for them. So that's one way is through teaching, you know, my love and sex ed curriculum or lessons to kids. That's one, one way to get at it. And then the other is I am, I also work with startups who are focused on gender equity, a big, again, again, and a big passion area of mine. And I work with other entrepreneurs who are interested in that field and whether they're in the private or the public sector. And most recently, I've been really focused on father-daughter relationships and communication and the role that fathers play in empowering their daughters 
and supporting their health and wellness on all levels, mental, physical, spiritual, social, and their long-term success in the workplace, especially. My dad had a huge impact on me and wasn't something I really realized until I, until I, the extent of, until I got into the research. And then I called my dad and thanked him for everything he did. He appreciated that. Um, also apologized for taking for granted while I was a teenager, but I think that was to be expected. And so I could go on, but yes. So through my teaching kids, working with businesses and nonprofits that are interested in driving gender equity goals. And also through my work with fathers and daughters, I'm working on a forthcoming book and I speak around the country on that topic. So I know that you, as a part of your book, and I, I we're not gonna we're not gonna give away everything on this book, but but one of the things that you did was you did a you did a study and you looked at the relationship between fathers and daughters. And are there any points, again, not making it so that people don't want to buy the book, but are there any like specific things that really surprised you? in the research that you were doing and looking at the relationship between fathers and daughters? So I think that in terms of what was really surprising was for me, I always say that I never expected to have men be at the center of my work. And it was because I was really focused on girls. And then I was out building my company and I was meeting with dads that, you know, at schools where I was speaking and media partners for our company and also potential investors and advisors and collaborators. And they were interested in my business, but they had a lot of personal questions about their daughters. And so that was the first surprise to me and not because it was surprising that that was happening. It just was, it was surprising to me because it hadn't been where my focus was. I was talking to a lot of men who were very confident, it seemed, and were obviously clearly great dads and, you know, doing a lot and showing up for their kids in ways that I don't think they even realized. And so for me, understanding that men were really feeling confusion, isolation, and worry around raising their daughters and wondering if they were doing enough, that was a big surprise to me. The second big thing that was a surprise was the role that female co-parents played in helping or holding men back from building confidence with regard to raising girls. Again, my area of focus is adolescent girls, teenage girls particularly. And that's not the easiest time for parents often. You know, it's like, just wait till you shoot, you know, your, your baby's so cute, just wait till she's a teenager. You know, that's what we hear over and over again. And I think that, you know, men don't realize how much good they're doing or that they are capable of doing. And part of that is that the women that they are co-parenting with, if they are co-parenting with women in heterosexual relationships, or if there are other female caregivers around, women are very confident in raising girls because, or more confident because women were girls and it's a particular experience. And I think that what was really surprising again was just that it wasn't on purpose, but a lot of men to me that I speak to describe kind of feeling disempowered by the women in their lives. There's some impatience there at times. There is kind of a knowingness that women have, or is that a word? Um, you know, there's this all knowing, you know, sense that women have about being girls, right? You know, well, honey, you know, of course she's changing her clothes three times, or of course she's wearing those shorts that you don't appreciate, or of course she's hanging out with these people that you don't understand, you know, but those things sometimes are more lost on dads if they don't understand kind of the, you know, being female firsthand and um, the role that women can play in that either, you know, in their responses 
you know, sometimes it's just impatience or it's just like, but this is so obvious to me. And why don't you get this? Or like, you're a man and you don't understand. Um, that was a big surprise to me, the emotional impact that that had on men. And that's a big part of my work is helping men really understand how much they're doing right already. Um, it's just not always highlighted to them or for them because your teenage daughter isn't always going to give you a lot of positive feedback on your parenting. Now, before we we end up today, one of the questions that I do want to ask you about your book is topic in general, because I know that you're still working on the title and you're, you know, that, but that it is submitted and it's going to be out there. But talk to me about the, the topic itself and what people should be expecting when your book does come out. Right. Thanks so much for asking. The book is about father-daughter communication in adolescence at a time when there can often feel like there's this chasm growing between fathers and their daughters. You know, you're moving out of this daddy's little girl phase often, or at least as far as our broader culture is concerned. And American teenagers especially are individuating. And there's this sense that you're going to lose your daughter and that she is going to be heavily influenced by all the culture at play and, you know, her broader social context and her friends and significant others. And there's this sense that, especially for fathers, that they're kind of, they're losing their influence. They're playing second, you know, second to a lot of other influences. And so my book is about how to communicate with your daughter through adolescence, how to maintain your bonds and grow them even stronger through some pretty hairy years at times, and then how to tackle some of the biggest topics with your daughter, some of the biggest topics that are on men's minds from social media to sexual health and mental health and really kind of what you need to know and what you should talk to your daughter about. It sounds like a very practical book and definitely something that any dad with daughters is in that age range should definitely read. Um, when did you say again that that should be hitting the stores? It is coming out in 2021, date TBD. It is a little bit you know, wild right now because of the pandemic. So things are a little bit up in the air in terms of certain timelines, but the manuscript is in and being worked on. So we can expect it in 2021, probably second half. Wonderful. Now, I always finish our interviews with what I like to call our fatherhood five, but today it's going to be the motherhood five for you to be able to answer and for us to be able to, again, better understand you as a mom. In one word, what is motherhood? Fun. As you think about the future with your son, how would you like your son to describe you as a mom? Fun and wise and loving. Now, who inspires you to be a better mom? My son. As you look at the father-daughter relationship, what advice would you give to dads? Be consistent. You're not always going to get positive feedback. And in fact, you might get a lot of negative feedback, especially when your daughter enters her adolescent years. There's nothing like the eye roll or the number of different ways that your daughter can make you feel like you're wrong or like you don't know what you're talking about or that you're out of touch with her and her life. But that's okay. If you are in her life and you are around to have her shut you down in that fashion, that means that you are there and you're present and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Now, I know your son is still young, but what's the favorite thing that you do with your son right now? I sing to him and dance with him and he loves it. I was a trained opera singer when I was a kid. And so I'm still a singer and I sang a lot when I was pregnant and he seems to recognize some of the songs that I played for him, especially late in pregnancy. And so sometimes I'll just hold on to him and sing to him and he just totally falls asleep in my arms. It's really special. 
while someday down the road, we'll be waiting to see the duet between the <laughs> two of you with some songs going you know, down the road. <laughs> yeah, I think that he would be amenable. He'd be very excited about that. Whenever we play him music, he kicks his feet like he's dancing already and he's just getting mobile. So I think he'll be very excited about that. Well, Kimberly, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for being a part of this and for all the work that you're doing, and not only with helping young women, but also with now really helping fathers with daughters to be able to better connect, better engage, and better be a part of their lives. Now, if people want to find out more about you, about the work that you're doing, about uh, Growmentum, where should they go? They can go to my website, which is KimberlyWolf.com. It's K-I-M-B-E-R-L-Y and then wolf, like the animal with no E.com. And you can sign up for my newsletter and get in contact with me. Otherwise, I... I often find myself in conversation with dads about all sorts of things. And also, you know, again, like I said, organizations and other people who are working on projects in the vein of gender equality. So people can find me there. And I'm also on Instagram and Twitter at Kimmy S. Wolf. Well, Kimmy, thank you so much again. And I wish you all the best. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. I love the work that you're doing. And I'm so excited that you asked me to be on this podcast. I'll be really excited to share it with my friends. If you've enjoyed today's episode of the Dads with Daughters podcast, we invite you to check out the Fatherhood Insider. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons, we make the meals, we buy them presents. Bring your A-game, cause those kids are growing fast. The time goes by just like a dynamite blast. Calling astronauts and firemen, carpenters and muscle men. Get out and be the world to Be the best dad you can be Be the best dad you can be